Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. As always, I am your host, Chad Michael Bouton. Thank you so much for clicking on a brand new episode of the Unsighted Radio. Whether it's a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good evening, hope everybody is doing well and is feeling fine. By the way, if you know anyone that would like to listen to this podcast, please, please recommend it to them. You can find us on Amazon Music, Audible, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. It's The Unsighted Radio. Just make sure that when you recommend the podcast that you make sure to tell all your friends and family that Unsighted spelled a little bit different. I like to spell it U N. S Y as in Yankee T E D the unsighted radio. Hopefully you will become a member of the unsighted army. We'd love to have you. Anyways, we got a great new show today. Honestly, this is uh, a fun week for me when I'm recording these episodes, because this week uh, it's the week of August 14th. It's all about accessibility and gaming, which is so fun for me because I love gaming. I hope you do too because we're going to be talking about gaming today with an amazing guest. He is a certified accessibility professional with a specialty being in gaming. He also uploads on YouTube, streams on Twitch. It's the great and powerful Ross Miner. <laughs> thank you for the introduction. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for agreeing to me. Um, so the way that I found you out is um, through your good friend, Molly Burke. <laughs> Oh really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah so wow. Uh, yeah. So I was, you know, it was when I was just first starting out, becoming an advocate and starting to find the power of my own voice and my own lived experience. She she mentioned how she wanted to do some gaming her own, and obviously she mentioned you <laughs> as the person she was going to go to to ask about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Molly and I, um, we actually go way back. Um. I used to participate in this extreme sports camp for blind people called extreme mobility. And uh, so Molly and I met way back, I think like 2016, maybe 2015, something like that. Um, and yeah, it's just been really cool to see her career blow up. And then, yeah, I, I'm living in Los Angeles now and, you know, she, she lives in Los Angeles part-time. And so she just shot me a text was like, Hey, I want to start gaming. I was like, I can help with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's got to be so crazy for the both of you to have that friendship and to see each other's careers blossom the way they have, you know, especially with her, you know, being able to go on The Daily Show. I mean, talk about awesome. Yeah, seriously, like she's done so much. And and I would also throw in uh, James Rath. I'm not yeah. sure if you know about him, but yeah, like we all met at Extreme Mobility and like just all by happenstance ended up in Los Angeles and like just we've kept in touch over the years and it's yeah it's been they're do, they're doing such great things um and so mm -hmm. i'm just so happy to know them but don't sell yourself short because you're doing some great things yourself <laughs> yes we all are we all are <laughs> yeah yeah so um if you don't mind can you tell um my audience a little bit of a little bit more about yourself and what it is that you do yeah so um let's see i mean i'll bring from the top i <laughs> always love gaming ever since I could see ever since I was a kid. Um, and so 
just throughout my life, I really pushed the boundaries of what I was able to play. Um, when when I could see, I loved playing Pokemon, for example. Um, and after I went blind, I still really, really wanted to play Pokemon. For context, I went blind when I was eight. You know, I was around 2006. So Pokemon was still very much in its prime and everyone yeah. <laughs> talked about it and played it. And so, yeah, after I went blind and was discharged from the hospital, I was like, all right, I am going to find a way to play Pokemon. And so I first started playing the game just kind of out of nostalgia's sake. Um, but then I realized that all of the things in the game, whether it be the Pokemon, the moves, the music, all was different based on the area. And there are specific sound cues for certain events. And that's, I would say that's where I was put on my path for accessible gaming. I didn't know it at the time. Um, Pokemon was kind of something I just stuck with. You know, mm -hmm. as a kid, I was always like, well, th this game just happens to be playable and that's really cool. But it wasn't until like high school, I was like, you know, there's a lot of potential for this. There's a lot of like, because that was when I began getting into fighting games. And that that's another uh, traditional medium that blind people have found uh, playable are uh, fighting games like Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat and mm -hmm. things like that. And so I began playing Mortal Kombat in high school. And yeah, that kind of only furthered my passion towards uh, accessible gaming. And so then I uploaded my first YouTube video basically showing how I played Mortal Kombat and that blew up. And then I was like, wow, th this is something that the world needs to know about. This <laughs> is something that clearly people find interesting and are passionate about and like can get behind the philosophy of accessibility, but they, they just, there isn't enough info about it yet. There isn't enough user stories about it. And so, yeah, like over the past, I mean, I've been doing YouTube for little under 10 years but yeah over those 10 years we'll say the gaming industry has embraced accessibility in a way that i never ever thought possible and so it's been really cool to be part of that and so yeah i you know started my career on youtube but now i do a lot of accessibility consulting in the gaming industry so i've worked on a lot of different games as a consultant many of them i can't talk about yet um <laughs> yeah one of just, the questions i have for you is the ones that you can talk about <laughs> yeah yeah and and i'll, I'll let you get to that i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to jump ahead or anything but um yeah and then um i, I don't know i always like to include this because i just it's part of my story um but i will say if if it's just not something you want <laughs> you can always cut it out but as far as how i went blind people uh I, I always just like telling this because, yeah, it's part of my story, but mm -hmm. I was actually shot in my sleep um, oh. by my father, oh. who then uh, basically did the same to my brother who didn't mm -hmm. survive, and then he mm -hmm. committed suicide. And so, yes, gaming and accessibility is important because, yes, everything in the world should be made accessible for people with disabilities, but gaming really brought a sense of comfort to me that not many other things did growing up. And so I think that's another huge reason why I've stuck with it for so long is just the socialization of gaming and the potential for it to just bring people together, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah, so, I, yeah, I was going to ask about um, your, your, your with experience with disability um, and vision. And, you know, thank you for sharing um, that. I, I don't want to, you know, pry or anything, um, but I'm just curious, you know, what was, you know, was 
did you come from a rough family back? You know, I, I don't want to, you know, ask anything that you're <laughs> no, uncomfortable no, no. with. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll preface by saying I'm totally open with it. Okay, um, okay. Yeah, it's something I'm, I'm, you know, obviously it's a crappy situation, but it's, yes. it's something I've grown up with. So I'm used mm -hmm. to it. Yeah. yeah so I, I was just, you know, wondering if, you know, growing up, if, you know, your father wasn't always the best influence on you and, your, and you know, your brother, you know, rest, rest in peace to your brother. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, as a kid, I... I only knew so much mm -hmm. on what was going on in the background. And so growing up, I kind of had a quintessential carefree childhood. You know, I, my father was never really like abusive towards me. Um, there were behaviors that he had, you know, in hindsight that were questionable, but like, mm -hmm. I, you know, I was never abused or anything like that. I, by all accounts, I had a good family. I went to a good school. I had lots of friends, like very carefree childhood. Um, but uh, this all stemmed from my mother divorcing my father mm -hmm. and he elaborated on this and in, in like notes he left behind and stuff but he basically uh was wanting to hurt my mom as much mm -hmm. as possible and I so see. yeah it's just yeah. horrible situation yeah. um and but so it's definitely you know after the fact it's uh theorized that my father may have been like a narcissist or you know some something because you don't just do that to your family like mm -hmm. something's got to be going on and it was very hard i uh you know essentially woke up or i went to bed with sight and woke up in the hospital completely blind um and so that was it was very very difficult but you know you guys just gotta keep on moving forward and putting one foot in front of the other you know, I just try to cherish the life I still have. And really what gives me purpose is accessibility and helping others, especially the disabled community. Mm -hmm. I've just really found my place in it. And I, I just feel it deep in my heart to, to help others that, you know, just whether through birth or through accidents or trauma, we're just put in, in, in this place. And then mm -hmm. being in a world where it's, it, you know, by default, it isn't, meant for disabled people or it isn't built for disabled people is what i mean and so just advocating for accessibility is my passion and pushing that forward gives me purpose and you know just makes me feel like i'm i'm leaving the world a better place <laughs> mm -hmm. absolutely um how, how old were you when um all this happened do you mind if i ask that no yeah yeah i you know most questions i don't mind but yeah um i was eight years old i had okay. just turned eight i think like a couple of weeks beforehand. Okay. Um, so you had been, had you been gaming prior to this event? So had you already had a love for gaming before the accident? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes like it's almost a blessing and a curse because since I used to be able to see, I, I have a lot of gaming experience mm -hmm. that I, I find that when blind people approach games that they're, uh, that, or yeah, just gaming in general, sometimes there can be a bit of a learning curve. I think that I almost had an advantage in like kind of understanding how games worked before I went blind. Um, and this isn't to say that, oh, blind people can't play video games or it's too hard or right. <laughs> anything like that. It's it's more so just that, yeah, I, I definitely, I, I would say I was lucky in that sense. Um, but then on the flip side, I'm like, man, I know what I'm missing out on and I want the rest of the world to experience this. So get on it, game developers kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I had experience um, with the Nintendo 64 was my main console. 
I loved playing Pokemon and Banjo Kazooie and oh. just all all the classics. Like that, yeah, that's all so much nostalgia for me. Um, <laughs> and my brother had the PS2, which I, I would also play on, but I was definitely more of a Nintendo kid growing up. And then, yeah, of course, had all the Game Boys and all that stuff. So you're hitting my nostalgia button when you <laughs> I know, right? Oh my god, <laughs> I still have my N64. I still have all of my games, and obviously Banjo and Tui are yeah, included in yeah. the collection. Yep. And that's the funny thing is that like I I didn't I had my Nintendo sixty four for a while, but eventually I just gave it to my friend. Um, I I let him borrow it, and then I was like, yeah, you could just have it because I was like, I've got emulators and stuff, like, and I'm like, <laughs> the original hardware like is great, but at the same time, I'm like, I, I can't go back. Right. Like there's so many accessible games coming out now. Like I'm focused on those now. Um, so yeah, yeah. For 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 me, it's like I, I just keep it there as a reminder because yeah, very very similar. You know, I started losing my my vision later in life. I was about mm-hmm. eleven when I got the diagnosis that I had a retinitis pigmentosa. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's you know similar. You know, I played games. I knew how to the you know, mechanics of how to use a controller how do you know start a game you know menus and stuff so it's like okay i i know i know how to play games but then you start losing your vision and it gets worse and worse especially with a progressive you know condition Mm -hmm. you start to realize wow now i like you said you know what you're missing um and yeah what what you're not experiencing anymore because of the lack of vision yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah so i definitely empathize with that there Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I also can't imagine like slowly losing it over time. I mean, I can imagine it, but you know, yeah, uh, that must have been hard as well. It, it has been, and obviously, I mean, no matter what your journey is with a disability or chronic illness, it sucks. I mean, yeah. I always tell people that <laughs> like, there's no way to to put it other than it does suck. I mean, even the happiest, most success. I mean, like even for Molly Burke, I mean, she she has her hard yeah. times as well, and that's oh, just yeah. that's just how it goes. Um. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, absolutely. I've, but eventually, like, like yourself, is I just found a way to use it for a greater purpose and made my peace. Yeah, exactly. And like mm-hmm. for me, when I went blind, I almost was still, sur- you know, I had I had a very good support system, which I'm mm-hmm. grateful for. But then mm-hmm. I was, you know, also just surrounded with this childhood optimism, and so I didn't really focus on on just all the barriers I would face because I, I didn't really even know at the time. Um, I just thought everything would be perfect and hunky-dory right. and all that. But um, And so, yeah, then growing up, like in high school was really when I'm, when just kind of the, the the weight of it all began to impact me. And I was like, mm-hmm. man, there's there's just so many so many barriers. Like it's, <laughs> it's hard to get things done in, mm-hmm. in anything. Um, and, you know, I've, lear- I've learned a lot since then. And I think... It's just another reason that I was pushed into accessibility just because I realized, uh, you know, the need for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that childhood optimism or even ignorance is yeah, powerful yeah, thing. literally. Same for me. It's like, okay, Chad, you're gonna start losing your vision. It, it, it's not gonna happen like today or tomorrow, but it will happen eventually. And I'm just like, cool. I'm just gonna go play video games again. See you later, doctor. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and like yeah. Said, literally, in the high school, you're like, I can't drive. This sucks. <laughs> yeah, that was like a big wake up call for me. I was like, all my friends are getting their licenses. What the heck? Like, mm-hmm. and yeah, I just like being an adult and losing your sight. I feel 
would be almost harder, at least in different ways than what I went through. I, I mean, obviously what I went through was, was, you know, very sad and blah, blah, all that. But like, I, I wasn't really established in my life, but like, right. yeah, being adult and being established in your life like that, that must be hard. Yeah. To be able to do something for 50 plus years and then to start slowly losing it or to just dramatically lose it. I mean, yeah, that's hard because you're so, like you said, it's so established and, mm -hmm. and you have certain patterns that now you basically have to rip apart and relearn from start. Yeah, for sure. So obviously gaming had to be a huge just comfort for you after losing your oh, vision. Yeah. Um, obviously the loss of your brother. I mean, complete your your life is just completely changed in, in an instance. Just you go to bed and wake up and the world's basically yeah. on fire for you. Literally. So I, I can only imagine gaming's had game gaming had to be a real big source of comfort for you mentally emotionally yeah it was <laughs> it's funny because like yeah at, at the root of it it was mm -hmm. is comforting for me mm -hmm. um but then at the same time i would i would spend like hours doing like a specific area in pokemon and that would be stuck in and but i would keep trying and i'd get so frustrated and i'm like that part probably didn't help my emotions but at the same time like it at the end of the day yeah, it, it 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 almost provided escapism in a way. Like I could just get lost in an alternative world, somewhere to uh, you know, just reading a book, things mm -hmm. like that. Um, a lot of my friends growing up really got behind me playing video games with them and adapting it. And so, you know, I played Pokemon by myself, but with other friends, uh, we learned that I could play Super Smash Brothers and things like that. Again, yeah, like just the socialization. Because something, you know, I immediately noticed after going blind was just e even my childlike optimism couldn't mask this. But I, I just noticed how people treated me differently, whether it was adults or kids. Uh, people just, uh, you know, they didn't treat me poorly, per right. se. Uh, but, you know, like, I'm sure any blind person's familiar with this. They just kind of tiptoed around you and just were careful about things they said and just mm -hmm. things like that. And. And but I, I noticed that when I could get on their level and discuss things that they already knew about, they'd be like, oh, hey, he's just like everyone else. And right. And so I almost feel like I was trying to prove that to the world and myself as well, mm -hmm. that, hey, I I am a person who likes video games and I, I want to be able, be able to play with you all. But as the games are being built right now, I, they aren't allowing me to be played like that. Right. Yeah. And. Or, sorry, I was about to go on a tangent, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. Uh, but you bring up something interesting, and that is like, you know, you're still you, but like, so it's like, okay, everybody, everybody knew me, knew Ross before he lost his vision, and they didn't treat me any different. But now, all of a sudden, that I've lost my vision, I'm a different person, or like, yeah, they, they treat me yeah. But I'm like, because like at that age, you're still like, well, I'm still me. I'm like, still so, me, yeah. literally, yeah, literally. Yeah. Like that resonates with me, mm -hmm. and yeah. So I just think that education and advocacy oh, is the 100%. way to. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you you bring up something awesome that I I harp on a lot, especially with the older Pokemon games, mm -hmm. and obviously the new ones are are great too. Um, you know, I think they could definitely use some accessibility features, which would be awesome. But those yes. old school games. I still play to this day and I say it for the same reason you do. 
is the sound design. The sound yes. design in the old games is amazing. And it's just like you said, just by the different songs for the routes, the yep. decrease and increase for items, or you know, you're going down a shop, you know, the shopping list when you're at the mart, the different yep. cries of the Pokemon, bumping yeah. into the trees and the cliffs. Mm-hmm. It's just to me, it's like sound design. That in itself is such a big accessibility feature, and so many people overlook it and don't value it. And obviously for us, it's because we 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 see just how useful it is. But yeah, those old school Pokemon games, I, I always harp on the fact the sound design makes makes it accessible for me still, even with as bad my vision is nowadays. Yeah, I completely agree. And for the longest time, the two games that I primarily played were Pokemon and Super Smash Brothers. And so I eventually had this mindset growing up that like Nintendo games were inherently more accessible because they had good sound design. Mm. And I, I would listen to other games on like Xbox and PlayStation and think, I, I don't know what's going on. I can't, mm. I can hardly tell what's going on. Like, I, I'll never be able to play these games. And while, yes, sound design is definitely a big part of accessibility, you know, we now know that there are many different ways to implement that other than just sound design. And so as I've grown older, now Nintendo's kind of like, you know, everyone harps on Nintendo for not being very accessible and all that. But yeah, all that to say, I, I still think sound design holds a very, very important place in accessibility. And Nintendo definitely has that nailed. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, from a long, <laughs> long time ago. I know. Like, they've had it since the you know the 90s you know my my first game was pokemon red and you know sound yeah. design and that and they've had that since the 90s yeah and like that's that's so cool to like just think about you know when you think of sound design like a big part of it is just having different sounds for each event well like even back then in the 90s all these 8-bit sounds they were still able to do it mm -hmm. and that's that's just a huge achievement in my eyes yeah, because now we see all the the audio control, like the master control uh, yep. options we have with the you know nowadays mixing and everything. It's just like it's advanced so much, but at, at its core, it's still what it was originally, and that's just yeah. you know allowing us to interpret those noises and and use them as cues. Yeah, and yeah, like you can kind of see nintendo's attention to sound design in other games like mm -hmm. smash brothers is how i was mm -hmm. able to play but also uh during the pandemic uh when animal crossing yeah. new horizons came out uh i kind of just you know you know when when i first heard the game i just was listening to a friend play it and then i realized again i was like i know what's happening because of all the different sound cues and so i i bought the game and it turned out to be very very playable primarily because of sound design alone Mm -hmm. which is yeah really cool so when did you upload your first youtube video like when did that all start for you yeah so it <laughs> and the funny thing is i i know all this because i'm like re-recording an intro video for my youtube channel i always <laughs> like try to re-record it like every few years or so uh it's so, like i have all these dates off the top of my head um <laughs> but i think it was like March, like February slash March um, was when I began uploading to YouTube. And I um, actually did 
an AMA on Reddit, which stands for Ask Me Anything, mm -hmm. um, where commenters just pretty much, yeah, ask you questions and things like that. Yeah, basically, I uploaded in March, I think. Uh, I participated in an AMA on Reddit, mm -hmm. which stands for Ask Me Anything, where people go and ask me questions um, just about me, and I answer them. And I think I just had mentioned that I liked Mortal Kombat or Pokemon, and then people were all of a sudden like, whoa, 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 how are you able to play? <laughs> and so that caused me to upload a YouTube video, and that, um, I guess, by those standards of Back then, it went viral, but now I'm just like videos on TikTok go crazy viral these <laughs> days. But um, yeah, and so it, it definitely blew up and a lot of people saw it. And yeah, that's that's when I uh, started on YouTube. And pretty much from there, I've I've kind of bounced around from like lifestyle videos to gaming videos, uh, accessibility in the wild, but it's all kind of maintained a surrounding topic of accessibility just because yeah i you know i specialize in game accessibility but just all forms of accessibility i'm really passionate about and so that's kind of what my youtube channel is about but yeah it began with that mortal Kombat video and then i believe i <laughs> for a while i did a let's play of pokemon soul silver and I don't, even, <laughs> I don't even think oh. I finished that, but like all those videos are still there. And I was literally in high school and I like, I sound so young. <laughs> um, I think my most favorite videos to make are the ones that I, I've, I've essentially crafted these videos to educate sighted people, but also mm. help blind people. I don't want to appeal to like a one demographic because, because like many sighted people think that blind people can't game. Mm -hmm. But then many blind people also think that they can't game because they're just not aware. Uh, mm -hmm. That's what I thought for the longest time. Like growing up, I didn't know about audio games for the longest time because I mm -hmm. thought that no no one else would be interested in games like I was. Um, and so I just never went looking. And so, yeah, I like on my YouTube channel, I will create videos on how I play this game without sight or how I play this game without sight. But in the videos, I'll actually kind of explain what I'm doing and like how I do it and kind of outline the techniques and how to get set up with the game and all of that. So blind people are able to follow along and and learn it as well. Those are my favorite videos to make. Yeah. That does does sound fun. So that's crazy to think. So you, you really weren't touching uh, on on gaming at the point when you first started with YouTube and probably doing more like lifestyle and disability in the wild. And then you just happen to mention, oh, yeah, I, I like Pokemon and Mortal Kombat. And everyone's like, whoa, 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 hold up. How you do well, that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like to clarify, like I, the channel started uh -huh. as a gaming channel. Okay, um, okay. And yeah, and then it branched to more, more a bit more a broad outlook on things. Um, But gaming is still a very much core aspect of my channel. Uh, yeah. So like 80% of my content, I would say. But yeah, definitely... Uh, wasn't expecting it to go in the direction it did. Right. So more so like just the, the fact that people were interested in knowing your process. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Surprised you the most because you're like, uh -huh. oh, people actually want to know how I play these games and I can yeah. teach them how I play these games. Yeah. Seriously. And obviously, it's funny you mentioned Mortal Kombat because obviously, you, you know, you probably just saw the tweet as well. Um, the excitement <laughs> with uh, Mortal Kombat going on. So yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, well, 
I, I've been new about that for a while. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm very, very excited about that. And I'm very, yeah, I'm very excited to see where that goes. I, I don't know. I, I really don't know more than uh, what other people are saying about the accessibility features. Like, I don't have any inside knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't consult or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, that's, yeah, I did. I didn't know about it. So yeah, I'm very very excited. It's so. it's funny because I was um at a conference and I helped put together uh, an accessible gaming zone where we had all these different systems, but then we had accessible um technology that helped make the the games playable for people that can't use their arms, can only use their eyes. Um, oh wow! And I I played against um the wobbly gamer. In oh yeah, Mortal, in Mortal Kombat in Mortal Kombat Eleven. Mm -hmm. And it was so funny because, you know, I play that game and I was talking about, oh, the reason I was able to beat you is because I just learned the combos and I was just, you know, listening to everything going on. And then it's just like, oh, yeah, basically two months later, like, no, no, literally a month later, it's just like, oh, yeah, the next one's coming. It's got accessibility features like, well, cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Yeah. So I'm interested. How How did you start? getting into the consulting side, you know, obviously would love to hear what you could talk about. <laughs> um, yeah. But was that the path in life or did you even realize that was going to be something that you could get into? Well, I mean, I mean, to like be realistic, I'm still figuring out my path in life. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all are to some extent, yeah, but that's um, a good point. yeah, I, I was definitely not expecting to, go into this field at all i you know i graduated high school uh went to college for a bit but then uh um decided to join the paralympics and swim in the paralympics for a few wow, years awesome um yeah that that was you know that was a whole other experience in and of itself very cool but um after i retired from the paralympics i was just kind of like yeah what am i going to do now and so I went back to college and finished up my associates. But while doing that, I, you know, still continued the YouTube and now Twitch thing. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> as time went on, I realized that developers were, uh, you know, beginning to talk about accessibility more. Uh, just just so many more accessibility initiatives across the board were, were happening. Um, and that was kind of when I began thinking like, hey, I actually have something more to offer than just YouTube videos. Um, you know, because for the longest time, it was just making videos about game accessibility or how I play this or that blind, just to kind of educate. But then as as the industry matured more, I realized that these, these were, you know, also was providing like free information kind of in a way, you know? Um, and so I, I, I realized... Um, that that I had something to offer. And when I believe, yeah, when The Last of Us came out mm -hmm. and uh, you know, Brandon Cole was just kind of behind all of that and and was very vocal about his involvement with that, I realized that that was kind of that's what kind of solidified to me that this is proof that I have something to offer, but also that we're, I'm at the point where game studios are going to value it mm -hmm. and actually accept my feedback and and 
and want to work with me. So yeah, huge shout out to to Brandon. But um, yeah. I uh, yeah, that's that's when I just kind of like created my website and just kind of began networking. That's that's been like my biggest asset is just I think this is the case with just accessibility in general. Um, but it takes a lot of networking and it takes a lot of passion um to to keep going in the industry and if you can find that passion and hold on to it it'll get you it, it will take you to a lot of places um i've i've just had a lot of cool opportunities because of the people i've gotten involved with um and just by expressing my excitement or expressing my willingness to work with people um it's gotten me a lot of places and so i've just pretty much built built on that and so I'm pretty much at the point now where I have I have a lot of lived experience with disabilities and I have a lot of lived experience with gaming. Um, but now I'm trying, I want to increase my knowledge into like the technical side more. And so um, I was recently accepted into, if I remember off the top of my head, it's a program offered by the International Game Developers Association or Foundation. Um, and it's this program for uh, basically minorities in the gaming industry. And so that is going to be starting up soon. And I'm excited for that because it's just going to give me a lot of like hands-on experience working yeah. with others, working with like developers in the industry uh, on a more technical level, I feel. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I, yeah, I've been spending my time doing that and then like studying for accessibility certifications and stuff like that. Just really, really trying to sink my teeth into the accessibility space because yeah for anyone who's wanting to work in accessible gaming or just any sort of accessibility lived experience will only get you so far um there's a point where you know you have to start showing the things you know like demonstrating um and so through that you know i do like youtube videos and that's a great way to do that um and writing articles like th those are also ways that you can do it to just kind of demonstrate your knowledge and that you know how to apply it to x y and z Right. And yeah, that's that's how I got into game accessibility and that's where I'm at now. <laughs> that's awesome. So so um do you like remember the the year when like you kind of like got your first opportunity? Let's see. Oh man. <laughs> I don't put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm trying to think what was my very first opportunity. I would say yeah, I, I think one of the very first things that kind of put me in front of like a few eyes so to say is uh i got to be a part of a panel at game accessibility conference oh yeah i don't even remember which year it was i it was <laughs> i think it was right after the last one was came out so okay wh whichever one happened after that um and yeah it was like me sightless combat another yeah. consultant and and a couple other people, um, all from different backgrounds. And yeah, just talking about The Last of Us and game accessibility. That, you know, that was my first opportunity. But then as far as like a game, um, there have been, you know, I have to be I have to be careful because navigating the world of NDAs yeah. <laughs> is 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 difficult. Um, and so I always try to err on the side of caution. Um, yeah. but Microsoft has like does a lot of user research studies mm -hmm. and so I, I encourage people to sign up for those if if they're wanting to get their foot in the door um yeah. because there there have been a lot of games that i've gotten to play tests in the past um that have given me a lot of experience and so yeah again some 
like some I don't even think have been announced even like several years after I've done the play test. So like I don't know if anything will ever come of them. And so I'm just not going to mention it. But like right, some right. recent ones, the you know, as we all know, Forza is going to be blind accessible. And I I got to, to you know play test that and consult for that like a year ago. Or maybe That's it was the, the motorsports one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to um, that one because Horizon was the, the last Horizon one was amazing. Yeah, yeah. And um, but then previously I got to I I would think my first real like pay that's the thing, like many, you know, there are a lot of times where I offered like free consulting at the time because like developers weren't even at the point where they would pay you. Right. Um, but but now they are. Yeah. Um and <laughs> now they are. And so like my first paid gig I'd say was maybe for uh Sea of Thieves and Rare. Uh, um and yeah, because uh I think I started playing Sea of Thieves back in like 2019 or so. And even back then, they were already very ahead in the game in terms of accessibility. I I, I think I was just like, streaming a lot, and then I eventually came across uh he I think he goes by Topher on Twitter. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, he's mm -hmm. the accessibility lead at Sea of Thieves. And so like we've just talked back and forth a lot over the years. And yeah, next thing you know, he's like, hey, we want your feedback on X, Y, and Z. And mm -hmm. yeah, and so, uh, you know, I got to help out with a few accessibility features on that game, That's mainly awesome. being the uh, the like the steering on the ships when it comes to uh, navigating around obstacles at sea. Mm -hmm. um, I got to help out with that. And yeah, and something else I, just, <laughs> I actually just thought of that I haven't thought about in a long time. Um, and this wasn't necessarily a consulting thing, but it definitely encouraged me to keep talking about game accessibility. After my whole uh, Mortal Kombat video, um, NetherRealm apparently caught wind of it or whatever. And um, at the time, the new, the Xbox One had just come out. Um, it was recently new, I think, but it had just come out. And so they actually sent me like a, like a gift package or whatever with uh uh an xbox one and like they they all signed it and everything and oh, that's cool uh gave me a copy of mortal Kombat, and that's what kind of showed me uh that they cared about accessibility mm -hmm. to an extent and that that they were watching um right and further evidence was had already been proven at the time because uh carlos who yeah, I think it's been announced now who is actually uh, the accessibility or I think the yeah, the main accessibility consultant. Yeah, I, know, I know Brandon helped some on it, but obviously Brandon is basically telling no, no, no. It's, yeah, it's Carlos. He, he's the yeah. one that made it. Okay. happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to like misconstrue <laughs> things, but um, mm -hmm. yeah. And so um, he actually went to a Mortal Kombat tournament, specifically Evo. Uh, for anyone in the fighting game community, he went to a tournament back in like 2013, I think, where he competed. And uh, people from NetherRealm were there and he got to speak with them. And as a result, when the first Injustice game came out, that was the first accessibility feature that NetherRealm specifically implemented in their games was because of Carlos. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, fun, fun piece of trivia there. Yeah. And so, like, for it to all come full circle ten years later, mm -hmm. Carlos 
could not I, I could not have picked a better person uh to consult for that game so yeah went on a tangent no but... <laughs> that's awesome that's i, I yeah. love i love to learn that type of stuff you know i'm yeah i'm super yeah. In, invested in 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 this and the accessibility in gaming so obviously that's awesome mm -hmm. to learn so I, i'm interested like when it comes to you and your consultant or like work is there a method that you you, you use like how, how do you approach your consultancy work yeah well um it's you know it's different from everyone mm -hmm. you have to know your capabilities mm -hmm. you don't want to first off you never want to undersell yourself mm -hmm. but you also need to know what what you're capable of you you know you can't say to a developer, hey, I know how to make this game 100% accessible um, because, you know, nothing's ever going to be 100% accessible, right. uh, especially for video games. Mm -hmm. And so it's more so about just knowing how to market yourself and, mm -hmm. and cultivating your achievements, mm -hmm. no matter how small they may seem to you. And this is something I even struggle with, but no matter how small they seem to you, write that, write that down, like right. make a website and display your portfolio because the more engagements you have the more projects you work on whether you know it doesn't even have to be a project with another developer it could just be a concept right. if you write that down or demonstrate that some way it will show that you know your stuff and that's the biggest or next to networking that's the biggest thing because yeah, yeah networking yeah. It is a huge part of it um and knowing how to use social media you know maybe a year ago i would have said that Twitter would be the best place to network. Um, <laughs> but that is just not the case for uh, blind people anymore, which has impacted me in turn. And so I, I would definitely say get on LinkedIn as well. Yeah, um, really great. just jump headfirst into learning how to pitch yourself and learning how to speak with um, with developers and things like mm -hmm. that. And, and yeah, I ultimately put yourself out there because so a few things like this year, I've I've made it an effort to put myself out there physically, uh, you know, because of the pandemic and things like that. I've always just kind of done a lot of my work online, but now I'm like, mm -hmm. I got to start meeting these people in person. Right. Um, an online persona or presence can only go so far until you need to start meeting these people. As, you know, as I said before, like my first engagement, so to say, was speaking or being a part of a panel at GA Conf. Well, Brandon Cole, if I remember correctly, got in touch with Naughty Dog from GA Conf. Yeah, because um, so, he basically yeah. like, like you know, put them on notice. He like he made a statement to them, and they listened and, and heard him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like all of that stem stemmed from him putting himself out there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's consulting, it's contract work. So yeah. unless you're very very established in the industry, I would temper your expectations. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like just I like even now I I treat it as a very very passionate hobby and things like that. Uh, hopefully I would I would like to make it full time and things like that. But yeah. as of now, I I'm just kind of expanding my broad accessibility understanding because then it'll apply to whatever industry I, I completely go into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just to recap, networking and cultivating all of your achievements and just portraying, displaying your knowledge will get you a very, very long way. Um, mm -hmm. And then lastly, being genuine. Uh, people uh -huh. can tell when mm -hmm. people can tell when you're not in it for the greater purpose if you're just mm. in it to have your name on something or right. to say that you know people can tell but um just look at so many different advocates out there brandon cole steve mm -hmm. saylor mm -hmm. um 
the blind ones are obviously at the top of my head. Um, <laughs> but uh, other people like Morgan Baker and oh, I was just about to say Morgan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So many different people. Um, you can tell that they just live and breathe game accessibility. Um, and so as if you got that, people people will be will be able to tell. Um, yeah. I'll never forget when uh Steve made his video reacting to the last of us um, yes him, yeah you know crying it's all here I'll, I'll never forget that it was just yeah like, just i mean that's the proof like right there that's the mm -hmm. proof of why why it's important to put those features in the game yeah i i completely agree um there's just been i mean the last of us was the first but now there have been so many cases of games that we've been able to play because of accessibility and i i literally get teary-eyed as well just because it all goes back to me when i should be able to see like yeah I'm, I'm literally being able to do the thing i love again to my full capacity again yeah and, and talking about the those accessibility features that you need can you can you talk a little bit about your setup like like what exactly in terms of accommodations that you need in order to play because obviously i i love my audience just to learn more about yeah. you know, how it yeah. is that we make it possible for ourselves to play these games yeah so i always say to people that there are three things that make a game accessible for blind people and that's text to speech so reading of all the text in the game and by the way these like when i bullet these points these are you know for a 100% blind accessible game um not all these need to be met for a game to be playable things like that but if we're just talking about a fully fleshed out accessible experience this this is what you would need but um so yeah text to speech where everything in the game all text is read by a synthesized voice and then sound cues, which we already talked about and how important those are. And then finally, navigation assistance. There we go. Being able to actually <laughs> tell where you are in the game. Um, with those three things alone, you know, obviously easier said than done. <laughs> we can get into that. But yeah. um, that is that is what makes a game blind accessible. The sound cues, you know, it, 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 it nails. It nails. <laughs> um, and yeah, it nails it. Um, and as far as... Um, navigation assistance there isn't any strict navigation assistance but you know there are there is some overlap so like in uh pokemon there's the bump oh sorry there's the bump sound when you bump into a wall and so that's sort of yeah it's a sound cue but it's also it, it's kind of it helps with navigation it lets you know when you're bumping into something when there's an obstacle and things like that and so kind of weaving all those together will will make a game blind accessible yeah for me, the big thing now is where where my vision acuity is currently. Like that navigation assistance box is the big one that I I need to check. Yeah, today. that's like yeah. that's the one I'm really like looking because it's like you can have the sound cue and you can have the text to speech, but if I don't know how to get from A to B, it doesn't matter if you have the other two boxes checked for me. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it's great you do, and... but I still need that last one checked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, it, it there's a lot of nuance to it. You know, as we know, but as some people may not know, mm -hmm. uh, blind people or disabled people are not a monolith. Uh, we 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 don't have shared opinions, but yeah, every, everyone comes with different backgrounds and experiences. And so, there are some games that I will not play if they don't have text to speech, mm -hmm. or there are some games I will not play if there's no navigation assistance. A very good uh, uh, example of this is Diablo. Um, 
Diablo 3 theoretically could be played by blind people. And I, I played it a bit. It has very, very good sound design. Um, so you got the sound cues checked. There isn't any navigation assistance and there isn't any text-to-speech. And so kind of like Pokemon, you could bump your way around the game and eventually complete it. But unlike Pokemon, Diablo was is very text-heavy mm-hmm. um, and that you have to read like all the stats on your gear and things like that. And so as a result, I ended up dropping the game. Well, Diablo 4 came out, same thing, very good sound design. But this time, there's a very robust screen reader built in. And while there may not be any navigation assistance yet, a lot, I literally created a, a Diablo 4 Discord community because so many blind people were giving the game a shot simply because it now had a screen reader. And those three boxes or only two of them are checked, but it's still enough to make the game even enjoyable to Mm -hmm. some capacity for blind people. Um, So, yeah, because you're you're, you're willing to put in the time, you know, the basically troubleshooting to figure out how to get through the game, because at least there's something there for you to use to to play it. So you're, you're willing to go through the hours that it may take you more than other um, gamers to get through that game because, you know, you're like, well, technically, yes, it is playable for me and there is fun that I can have in it. So I'm willing to yeah. see it through. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is that not everyone is like that because uh, even even still navigation in Diablo 4 is very, very, mm-hmm. very difficult. Um, but it has been confirmed that the Diablo team um, is working on navigation assistance of some sort for Diablo 4. Um, because again, people were outspoken and made their voices heard. But yeah, as I was saying, like it's still a lot of wandering around um, to an extent. And so it can be time consuming. And sometimes I even get frustrated. Um, and then I think, you know, like not all blind people are gonna want to do this. It's still more of a game for kind of seasoned blind gamers who have are, are used to kind of seeing what they can get away with in a triple a game um you know i would not recommend a a blind person completely new to video games to try out diablo 4 yeah um (laughs) yeah yeah exactly um with when navigation assistance come i think i definitely would then but yeah what what are two you know one or two accessibility features just off the top of your head that you think perhaps developers overlook you know that you know the developers are getting a lot better now with starting from from the ground up and some some are even like well maybe if it's not there from when at launch we'll, we'll patch it in so they, they are becoming more conscious of it they're definitely aware of it but do, do you think there's any like feature or features that maybe they overlook during development i you know it's 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 hard to say mm-hmm. um i think developers are aware mm-hmm. i think they're very aware of user feedback but the issue is is actually implementation is mm-hmm. so much easier said than done and like i cannot stress that enough because like for example when i was younger i used to do just scream into the void on twitter about how these games need to have text-to-speech and there's no reason they can't have text-to-speech if if the last of us did it and da da well adding text-to-speech is still pretty tedious for developers to do and when asking for accessibility features, you know, we have to be reasonable in what we're asking for in the sense that like a feature isn't unreasonable to ask for, but 
it is unreasonable if it's going to take a really, really long time to implement. You know, when you go to any company saying, hey, you should make your product more accessible for X, Y, and Z, you, you've got to tell them that accessibility doesn't extend the development process by much, if at all. Uh, accessibility can be implemented with these tools. But if developers have to create a, a solution from scratch and dedicate all those resources, yeah. then it, it's a lot it's a lot harder harder of a sell right you know when you go to a company they they want to be able to integrate that into their design process to their development process uh seamlessly but that's just not always the case um right. and so for texas speech there are tools to implement texas speech but they're different for each platform they're different for pc for xbox for playstation and for switch like they're all different and so the what the, the issue where the issue really lies is having some sort of cross-platform solution for text-to-speech or making it so that developers can actually hook into the accessibility layer right. of those platforms so the accessibility layer on windows on mm -hmm. xbox on playstation a lot like consoles for example don't really even have that if you look at games on ios you know those uh those games, um, how do I describe this? Accessible games have been generally easier to create on iOS, um, as as you may know over the years. Like there have been a lot of different audio games mm -hmm. on iOS, for example, and that have worked very, very well. And part of the reason is is because developers are natively able to hook into accessibility layer and like utilize voiceover and right. and allow it to interact, where they can just have voiceover read what's in the app. That, like an that doesn't kit, right? Yeah, like an actual yeah. kit, exactly. Mm -hmm. That doesn't exist on uh, most consoles, mm -hmm. and so yeah, there are. Um, it, it's multifaceted. There are plugins, cross-platform mm -hmm. plugins that are being worked on where developers can implement text-to-speech. There are uh, engines like Unity and Unreal that are mm -hmm. that are working on implementing text-to-speech, but uh, unfortunately, it takes time, mm -hmm. and so that you know. That's definitely one thing I would always love to see improve be improved. Like, yeah, it just it just takes time. Um, and so that's one thing. Very long winded, but no. at the same time, um, <laughs> yeah, I would definitely follow it up with navigation assistance. Mm -hmm. Is something that yeah needs to be worked on. I, I'll just say <laughs> that. You know, that. <laughs> yeah, and I will say that this is something I'm a little you know maybe i'm a little less well versed on maybe there are um some fundamental development barriers that are preventing proper navigation assistance but uh i don't i don't necessarily know how true that is because the last of us you know created an accessibility or a, a navigation system where you know users essentially follow a golden path where it takes them through all the obstacles and things like that so they can't get lost um critiques aside on with that current system we've seen developers try to implement that into games like spider-man or right. god of mm -hmm. war mm -hmm. and and in both times they have struggled fundamentally um in certain aspects of navigation assistance spider-man uh i think the main struggle in spider-man was that 
it had a very hard time accounting for uh height differentials oh yeah. so if something <laughs> yeah if something was below or above you it would just freak out and <laughs> had a very hard time leading to leading you to your objective mm -hmm. versus god of war um the navigation systems worked pretty well in a lot of cases uh where it, it definitely fell apart was puzzles and and like in the last of us all of that could be done or if it couldn't be done you could just skip it but like even that wasn't implemented in the game and uh it is really unfortunate um because god of war it it, it accomplished so much but then yeah I, I also felt like it took a couple steps back in a couple areas and then um Lastly, I was going to say something and I lost my train of thought. I'm sure it'll come back to me, but yeah. <laughs> yeah well, you know, the, the first game that I ever played that had any sort of like, for me, visible navigation assistance was, uh -huh. this is my experience, was Skyrim. Oh, um, really? Yes. Yeah, so there's a spell called Clairvoyance in the game. Okay. It's in the illusion class. And mm -hmm. basically what it is, it's just kind of like that, that golden trail in the last of us oh wow instead it's a purple like trail of mist and it expands in front of you now what you have to do is you have to basically select a quest to be shown on you know to have the marker shown on the map that's you know on the uh -huh. top of the screen yeah but then when you press the spell it will put the the purple trail of mist out and it'll be like, all right so now you know it's like the trail you, you follow the trail it goes forward It'll turn left, right, yeah. takes you up mountains through dungeons. Obviously, you've oh, got wow. it's limited because you'll you'll run out of magic and then you have to wait for your yeah. magic age to build. Yeah. But that was like the first time for me that I noticed the game, like, oh wait, hold on, hold on. This is literally telling me where to go. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah, there are so many, so many I, I call them like unintentional accessibility yeah, features. Accidental. 100%. Yeah, accidental, unintentional, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Like it's, yeah, it's like they definitely weren't thinking about disabled people in mind, but it it benefits disabled yeah. people. And I mean, that's the beauty about accessibility is that mm -hmm. inversely, it it doesn't only benefit disabled people, but it can benefit other people as well. But yeah, and then the last thing I I, I remembered I was gonna say was uh I would also like to see developers continuously implementing accessibility after the fact. Mm -hmm. Um. So obviously, or not obviously, accessibility is best implemented from the very beginning because mm -hmm. everyone knows what's involved. Everyone knows what they're going to be working with and can kind of design around that. When you're adding accessibility afterward, kind of tacking it on, that's called retroactive accessibility. And that just makes things so much more difficult. There is um, this really popular and well done uh, talk at GAConf. Um, a couple couple sessions ago, I think I don't remember uh, last year or so. Um, but yeah, at the game accessibility conference. Someone gave a talk about retroactively adding accessibility and compared it to baking a muffin, in the sense that if you're baking a muffin, a blueberry muffin, uh, you're not going to want to add the blueberries in afterward because mm -hmm. you would have to end up digging holes and ripping things out just to put in these blueberries that aren't even fully baked versus baking them in from the very beginning and then you have a properly delicious blueberry muffin um and so i thought i thought that was a perfect analogy and that you never want to retroactively add accessibility but it still can be done if you have the proper uh frameworks in place mm -hmm. and so because of that all that to say 
there have been some developers who implemented accessibility and continued implementing it after the fact. And then there are some who have implemented it and then just dropped it. And I'll, I'll, I'll happily give names. Um, <laughs> like a great example of just continuously adding accessibility is is rare and sea of thieves um a hundred percent and it's always listed on their website yeah too. yeah the, yeah I'll, i mean that's another thing i go into is is actually listing new accessibility mm -hmm. features so many devs don't even do that but um yeah and so sea of thieves is a great example a recent example that i think is a sore spot for a lot of blind gamers is god of war because mm -hmm. like i said it did so it did so much right but despite all the user feedback and everything there has been no additional changes at all to um to god of war which yeah. really stinks um because it is it is an amazing game it accomplished so much um right and so yeah i would just say for anyone developers listening to be transparent with your accessibility and what it can and cannot do post that on a website um, and make it easily available for people to view. And then, yeah, just be transparent on at least whether or not you plan on implementing accessibility after the fact, or if, if it's kind of a one and done thing, right. um, it comes down to transparency. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. And it's always harder to add it in after you've, you've released it. Cause then you've got to go back and basically redo mm -hmm. all all through the coding and just the implementation of it. And yeah, engine. yeah, so exactly. It's always going to be much, much harder. And it's funny you mentioned that quote too, because when I was talking to Victor, he said mm -hmm. the same thing. He gave oh, the same really? example. Yeah. He said the, muff, <laughs> the blueberry muffin. So that's funny to hear. Oh, that, wow. Like, that's become like the the new thing in, in the community is that analogy. <laughs> it, it was just such a good analogy. And I wish I could give proper credit or credit is due to who made that analogy just just know it was not me but um <laughs> yeah no like game accessibility conference it it's got so many smart people there i yeah. encourage anyone if you're interested in accessibility in any sort of form in gaming it it go check out ga conf it's run by uh it's a grassroots <laughs> yeah it's run by uh ian hamilton yep. and tara volkner um at microsoft they've been doing it for about i think like five or so years five or six mm -hmm. years i think but um it's it's held hybrid so it's in person and remote and it's held uh twice a year once in the united states and one in, once in the uk so uh i think they're just ga conf on twitter um or you just google that but yeah yeah i uh i'm actually going to be attending this year for the first time in person as a speaker nice. uh, i'm going to be giving a presentation with um a, a good friend of mine um, awesome. And I don't, I don't know if we've announced the topic yet, so I, I don't think I will be able to mention <laughs> okay. that here. But uh, yeah, just coming <laughs> it's soon. Very, it is a very exciting talk. <laughs> yeah, I know they're doing one later this year, which I want to attend the virtual one. But then obviously, I yes. want to go in person because yes, I just, I, I, I just have to go in person. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm intimidated, man. Like, like I said. <laughs> I am still, you know, I'm a consultant and yeah. I, I know a thing or two about gaming, but these people are veterans in the gaming space. And I'm like, I'm giving a talk to them. Like, <laughs> like I'm used to them talking to me. What's going on? And oh, so, yeah. Like, especially Ian and Tara. It's just like you get to talk yeah. in front of them. It's just like, like they're like, they've been there for so long. <laughs> yeah. But they're, 
again, great people. And yes, again, are. you can you can tell just how passionate they are about accessibility and supposed to Especially Tara. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, Tara, she gets into it. <laughs> um but they yeah, they've done so much. Like they've been around for such a long time, not to diminish anyone else. Uh, right. but I just, you know, huge fans of them. So yeah. I don't want I don't want to go too much over time, but I do have just a couple more questions for you if yeah, you don't yeah, mind. No um mm-hmm. I gotta ask you, as a gamer, you, you know, you still game even though we want to make this like our everyday job, forever job. Uh-huh. But what are some games that you're excited about that are coming up soon that are releasing here? <laughs> okay. So man, like <laughs> there, I'm telling you, I'm There's telling so you guys, many right now, that, isn't there? Yeah. Like, yeah, let's see. It used to be the case where people were, including myself, were almost pessimistic about where things were going in gaming accessibility. But I am telling you all that there are things that are coming that you are not ready for. Okay. And so just that's what I'll say for that as far as the projects I can't talk about. But the ones I can talk about, you know, for the longest time, I had to keep my mouth shut about Forza and Forza is is revolutionary because it's going to be the first um, blind accessible racing game if you don't count top speed, <laughs> if anyone's <laughs> played that. I think I, I'm so excited for that. Because, I am too. Like, like the reason I so, bought my, my Series X was for um, Horizon. Like that, that was the yep. game that literally made me want to get the Xbox. Yep. And, yep. and then I, you know, I got it you know, a couple months ago and now Motorsports is coming. I'm just like... Oh yep. shit! Here we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's gonna be the real deal. And so the things I'm excited for with Forza, or sorry, Forza. I, <laughs> I I keep forgetting that it's called Forza, and I I have such a habit of saying Forza. But yeah, Forza. First, I'm excited that it's going to be multiplayer. Um, mm-hmm. you know, in and of itself, it's like okay, so what? It's gonna be multiplayer. But I just I think games were blind people can play together as well alongside sighted people mm-hmm. uh is really is really really cool and i've always been a little like concerned that some accessibility features uh may be excluded from multiplayer um because of like competition sake or whatever right. um so i don't know anything about that but i'm hoping that's not the case with forza i i, I don't think it will be i you know that'd be hard to believe that like you can't use this while racing with other people or whatever um and so what I'm really excited for is like imagine a racing tournament made of like all blind people. That would be so cool. Yeah, that would be. Um or and then like maybe compare it. I'm also curious to see like how well the accessibility features will allow me to match up to a sighted person. Right. Almost like a Commonwealth Games kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and then lastly, people get really into racing games um and I I have a buddy who really gets into them to the point where they'll buy entire racing rigs to play these <laughs> games. All right. So what if a blind person could buy a rig and hey. set it up with their game? Mm-hmm. They would have the experience of being able to drive a car for the first time, potentially. Oh, I didn't even think of it like that. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Like obviously a blind person can get in a car with sighted help. And mm-hmm. I don't even think this is legal, so I'm not condoning this, but I mean, <laughs> mo- a lot of us have done it, but I don't think that's the same. You're you're within boundaries. You're having someone else guide you. You have to go slow, things like that. But like this, a blind person could literally set up a rig and pedal to the metal race and know what it feels like to to race a car and things like that. Um, and so 
excited for Forza, mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat. Right. We already know that there there are going to be some accessibility features, and I I'm very very excited for that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, traditionally fighting games have been playable, somewhat accessible. But the thing that has actually prevented me from continuing to like really pick up fighting games is, you know, learning all the frame data and learning all the button inputs can be very, very difficult to find all that right. info online in an accessible format. And so I'm hoping that the game has text-to-speech of some sort mm-hmm. um, because then that would just make learning characters so much easier. You could do that all from within the game. Um, and if that's the case... Mm-hmm. Then I I'm definitely going to be playing uh, for a much more extended period of time. Yeah, I have but, a um, lot of expectations for Mortal Kombat One because, you know, mm-hmm. with Eleven, I I could already see like the the they have some stuff here that yeah you know in of itself is actually accessible like the the just like, like the whole fact when you start up the game it's like start game. Yep. Yeah. Like, exactly. Practice. It, yeah. It's like oh. This is literally narration. This is that's that's what this is right now. It's leading me through the menu so that I know what I'm selecting. So it's like, yeah, with someone like Carlos who's so passionate about it, and then obviously Brandon Cole. That's like a dynamic duo right there. Uh huh. Literally, <laughs> I have some high expectations, and you know who too. knows, but I, I'm very excited for the game. Yeah, I I am too. I have mm-hmm. I have very high expectations, and I definitely do think it will deliver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, um. Yeah, unfortunately, that's all I could talk. <laughs> yeah, but I I promise you, there are other other mm-hmm. exciting things coming as well. That's awesome. Well, I want to you know let's let's wrap up this episode with one more question for you, sir. Yeah, um, yeah. And that is obviously, you know, so many gamers disabled now are are so passionate. I, mean, I think the, the numbers like it's like four hundred million gamers like have some sort of impairment, which is just crazy to think. Yeah. We mm-hmm. and that we're still so passionate, but just from you as someone that helps, you know, in the way that you do, and you know, you may think it's small, but it is, it is very big what you do, um, to help you know make these games accessible for us. What do you think is making so many people so vocal, and why is that whole you know when everybody plays, everybody wins, you know, th- th- basically what Xbox, you know, is moto is. Why yeah. do you think that matters so much in today's industry and landscape of gaming? Well, it, there there's a lot of reasons, but mm-hmm. first, it's the snowball effect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when developer or uh, when disabled gamers would constantly ask for these accessibility features and just not get any response, yeah, their optimism was dampened, their pessimism increased, mm-hmm. but. As developers, as large companies like Microsoft actually began acknowledging accessibility, being transparent and just saying, hey, we hear you. Everyone's just everyone's uplifted from that. And that was all because people were constantly giving their feedback over and over again because of it, it it also sets a standard when Microsoft really began leaning into accessibility. Uh, how do you think that made PlayStation look? How do you exactly. think that makes Nintendo look? <laughs> um, and I'm not saying PlayStation is only doing accessibility just because of, Microsoft did it. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it sets a standard. Same with Last mm-hmm. of Us. A standard, mm-hmm. a bar has been set. 
um, and people are, are continuously trying to raise the bar. And that I, I think that encourages people like me and just other advocates to keep talking, um, keep pushing the envelope because we know we're being heard now. Uh, we, we are empowered because of it. And I think larger studios are also realizing and understanding um, the, you know, just the good PR, obviously, but also the the monetary benefit from it. Um, disabled gamers, and this isn't just in gaming, but uh, have very high retention rates for yeah. brand loyalty because, yes. yeah, like, like I literally bought a PlayStation just to play The Last of Us. I buy every console now um, because I'm, you know, I'm just so into gaming. And mm -hmm. there are products as disabled people or as blind people that we we tend to use specifically because of brand loyalty. Look at the iPhone. I mean, you're telling me that Apple invested in accessibility for no reason. No, of course they invested in it because they see the value in it and they see how it helps people. But they also see that it, it makes them money, that it makes it generates good PR. So companies are realizing that it's accessibility is literally a win-win for everyone. There's no downside to it. Right. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's such an interesting point because like there's always been the console wars, you know. Yeah. Sony and Microsoft. That that'll never end. But now it's almost like they're in an accessibility war too. Yeah, no, because literally. The, yeah, because the first year the game awards did the innovations and in accessibility, Last of Us Part Two obviously yep. won. That was yep. up. Yeah. And then last year, um, Forza, you know, won. So, you know, yep. there's the Xbox versus PlayStation. Now this yep. year. Um, depending on, you know, if, if I think motorsports will still be within the time limit. So it'll probably be motorsports yeah. against Ragnarok. So there you go. It's like now they're in an accessibility war almost. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it is definitely going to be, uh, uh, a, a contentious, uh, dispute by the end <laughs> of this year on like who, who's, who's got what, um, mm -hmm. cause yeah, I mean, I, I could go, go into it a bunch, but yeah, um, that's you know that's what i would say is just kind of pushing pushing things forward mm -hmm. um and it's a very exciting time to be a disabled gamer yeah it really is you know i always tell this story because well one i i you know i like to talk <laughs> <laughs> um but i just i just hope like it really settles in to people who maybe can't understand why we as disabled individuals want to play these games um and I always tell this story of how when Kingdom Hearts 3 released, I was so excited to play that game because I, I played it the first two games and I still had my vision. So obviously I want to see how the series concludes. Yeah. And unfortunately, I can't even get through um, Thebes. I, I literally can't get through the Hercules level. And I'll yeah. never forget throwing my PS4 uh, controller against the wall, calling my mom crying and telling her, I, yeah. I got to give up on gaming. I can yeah. no longer play games because I'm the problem. But then literally like a year, like a year later, Last of Us Part Two comes out. Yeah. That's when I realized it's not disability that's the problem. It's just that they weren't being made for us yet. And now yeah. that they are, it's almost like literally Pandora's box has been open. And I just literally don't see, see and it's never gonna stop now. We're only going to become more passionate and more vocal and more studios are gonna get on board. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I, uh, you know, uh, Pokemon, the Pokemon games are no longer playable. So yeah, I feel I that. 
which it sucks. Yeah, it, I it love really those does. Games. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully something changes, but mm-hmm. I I definitely resonate with your story. I remember um I I think yeah, I was at the I was living at the Olympic Training Center at the time and I had just bought Star Wars Battlefront because I loved playing that game when I could see. And so I figured I would try it to see how accessible it was. Well, it wasn't very accessible, but I still tried. But eventually, yeah, I got I got frustrated and my my girlfriend at the time like went to go play D&D with her friends and I I literally couldn't even join. I was so upset. Like I was just again, I was yeah, like you. I was like I when when is it going to change despite all of our constant advocacy? Like nothing's changing. And I remember like back when I barely even knew Ian Hamilton, like I remember DMing him on Twitter because he was like the voice for accessible gaming at the time. And I was like, Ian, like, when is it going to change? Like, I just, I don't understand. Like, I don't know. You know, I was basically ranting to him, but he, even back then he told me, he's like, I, I promise there are changes being made. Like it's a slow process, but it's happening. And I think that was in like, 2019 maybe so i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if he already knew about last of us then so <laughs> uh yeah sneaky sneaky ian i'm pretty sure uh, i know <laughs> <laughs> well ross thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me today i i've had a lot of fun this has been such an amazing episode I, i've learned a lot just not <laughs> yeah. just from your process but just about the work you do and it's just awesome to get to talk to you so thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule today yeah absolutely thank you so much for having me and just Hope you guys learned a thing or two and just hang in there because great things are coming. Awesome. Well, before I let you go, can you please let people know where they can find you, follow you, get in contact with you or Hick, even want to work with you? Yeah. Um, so you can go to my website, literally just rossminer.com. Uh, my last name is M-I-N-O-R. But um, if you want to follow me on social media and just keep up with all different projects I'm doing, because uh I really enjoy cultivating information. And so I uh, run the Disabled Gamers subreddit, the Disabled Gamers Discord. Um, and, you know, like I said, I have the Sightless Slayers Discord, the the Blind Diablo Discord. Um, but all of that can be found at rossminer.com slash links. All of my social media, my YouTube, my Twitch, all of that can be found right there um, in a nice little convenient place. But uh, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Ross, for sitting down with me today. It's been amazing getting to know you more. And thank you so much for all the work that you do. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody, that's going to be it for today's episode. Thank you again to my amazing guest, Ross Miner. Please, you've got the links. Go follow him. I'll make sure to also give some links in the show notes so that you know where to go to follow him in case you forget. But thank you again to my amazing guest, Ross Miner. I hope you guys enjoyed if you know anybody that would like to listen to this podcast, please do let them know. We're on Amazon Music, Audible, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. It's the Unsighted Radio. Just remember to spell Unsighted, U-N-S-Y-S-N-Yankee-T-E-D. The Unsighted Radio. We are on social media at Twitter. It's Twitter. It's always going to be Twitter. I don't care what they say. It's Twitter at Unsighted Radio. One word at Unsighted Radio. And I am on Facebook at the Unsighted Radio. There's no at there. Well, I think you use at on Facebook too. So yeah, at the Unsighted Radio. <laughs> Just remember it's spelled U-N-S-Y-S-N-Yankee-T-E-T. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much again for listening. Thank you again to my guest, Ross Miner. That's it for today's episode, but we'll see you again next time. Until then, take care, guys. 